Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pictures at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And now, get busy listening and get busy winning. Here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. Melbourne Cup, Breeders' Cup on the way, but we are looking back on a top-class weekend of jumps racing as it's really in the thick of things now. And a man making his debut on the show, a colleague of mine at TalkSport 2 and a former top-class jockey, Cheltenham Festival-winning jockey, Paddy Aspel. Welcome to the final furlong. Great to have your company, my friend. Thanks very much, Emma. Good morning. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm in good form, man. Uh, we're on TalkSport together on Friday, and that's going to be a relentless bombardment of high-class jumps action. But as we switch gears from flat into the jumps, this is is your bread and butter, but you're a top-class flat analyst as well. You've been busy with the sales. Uh, how are you transitioning from flat to jumps? I can generally adjust pretty quickly, to be honest. I mean, look, I think we all enjoy the top end stuff on the flat it'd be, it'd be hard not to but uh, i think i think for me any kind of jumping um, definitely is 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 my bag for sure and we've seen obviously i think the unofficial launch of the jump season is that weekend at chepstow isn't it for all the the, the real national hunt yeah. gurus and yeah another weekend just passed and i think we've seen some very very interesting horses on that front as well. Yeah, big time. And look, one of the highlights of the season is the King George and effectively a trial for it is the Charlie Hall Chase. But it's a great race in its own right. Uh, and we had the clash of Brave Man's game against the Hoy Senor, except we didn't really because Hoy Senor completely bombed on the day, but Brave Man's game didn't uh, and has run out a really good winner. Three and a half lengths between him and Eldorado Allen, who was giving him weight. He was carrying 11.8, Brave Man's game 11.5. And this was his second wind operation, first run after the second one. Uh, let's talk about Brave Man's game, first of all. What did you make of his win in the Charlie Hall? Well, I mean, look, I, I wasn't really that surprised that he came out on top because I think if you watch his profile, I mean, this horse, whenever really he's bombed out or disappointed, it's always been in the latter part of a season. He, he tends to put an awful lot into his galloping, his jumping and I just think come March, April time, we're not maybe seeing the real Bray Man's game. I think he's definitely a horse worth following this time of the year. And the other day, as expected, he was breathtaking to watch. I, I've not seen many horses adjust his feet 
at his fences that this fella, but, but do it without actually breaking momentum. It's incredible to watch. And yeah, maybe we could crab sort of the numbers, what he what he's run to the other day. But I think these horses, they're not going to get older without getting wiser. And I, I think the majority of them fall into the bracket where they're only going to do what's required. And it's a long season. Harry Cobden wasn't going to empty the tank and leave any races behind him there. And for me, he couldn't have done any more. Yeah, I completely agree with you. This was an authoritative performance. He's jumped beautifully. He was gaining ground at his fences, for that matter. Uh, and I'm pretty confident that what you said about Harry is absolutely spot on, but also that Paul did not want to blow the lid off him completely. I'm sure that it was important to him to win this race in the context of clashing yet again with the and Yor. But this is his prep for the King George. He isn't going to have another run. He goes straight to Kempton now. Um and, and so the finishing touches will be put on a, a ditch it. And bookmakers have been quick to act. They've cut them to nine to four, best price five to two. And I get it. Normally I'm I'm critical of prices that are that are fanciful uh, when, when they're cut very short, but I actually I get this. This is his target. This is where he's going. And he was unbelievable in the Cotto Star Novices Chase last year. So we know he acts at the track. And and you're right. Whatever about the springtime for some reason, he just doesn't seem to be the same horse. Now, it's entirely possible that... Actually, I'd like your take on this. Uh, I have a theory that the reason he bummed out at Aintree was he was fully primed for Cheltenham and then didn't get to take up that engagement because he was withdrawn due to the horrible ground. Sometimes that does have a, an after-effect on horses. If a horse is, is very primed for a race and then isn't allowed to, to run in it, that they, they lose a little bit of something. They lose their edge. Would that be one of the reasons why you think he was so disappointing at entry, or, or do you think it's something a little bit more complex? Yeah, no, it's not a bad shout at all. It's, you know, I mean, you can see it across all sports. You know, it's, it's only it's the same with boxers. If an event is called off, all the people on the on the main on the the main card, the undercard, they've all got to let themselves down again, and then pick themselves up, get back into shape, and they can just knock the edges off. There's no doubt. So, I definitely think you could be onto something there. You know, he's a he's a big lad. As I say, he puts plenty into everything that he does throughout a race, and I would imagine just trying to get the timings right and and make a horse or get a horse to hold his form. I wouldn't think it's an easy job. Yeah, it can't be. Um, but he's very exciting. And we know that the King George has always been the plan with him. So I, I took a real positive of this. I know that there were some who, who didn't. And and that's fine. It's a game of opinions. That's what it's all about. And hey, maybe we're wrong. Uh, in the context of who he's going to be facing, the more I hear from William Mullins, and we are very much playing William Mullins bingo here, but the more I hear from him, the the more likely it is that Alaho is going to run. Um primarily because he's changed the plan. And this was something that Paul Ferguson and I talked about in September and, and in October as well uh, with Alaho, that it's a two-week gap between the John Drucker Memorial and the King George, so that's not going to be suitable. And he's decided to go for the Clonmel Oil Chase instead. Um, it Again, Willie Mullins bingo, proceed with caution. But if Alaho does turn up in the King George, he's going to be very, very hard to beat. But it would be a mouth-watering clash between those two. Oh, for sure. And I think, Emmett, probably the, the, the biggest basis that this, that performance at the weekend can be crabbed by Brayman's game is because 
the comparison with the numbers and what Alaho has achieved ratings and whatnot compared to what went on the other day. But that isn't really, we can't really knock Braveman's game for that. He, he can't control the opposition that line up. It was a quick time. Um, but obviously, from what we've seen, Alaho's numbers are bigger. I think the, 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 the three mile top end chasers in Ireland are of a better level. Um, just we don't maybe see enough of them, but at least in Ireland they do take each other on. Whereas over here, it's it, it, it's a little bit of a, a softer build up to you know that March April time or part of the season, should I say? But it would certainly be a cracking race because that is what for me Brayman's game is all about—a quick track but you've got a fence accurately because they come up quick you know it, it, it's a flat even track and and, and although that said there's it's a it, it's a speed based track because then the fences do come up quick you've got to be good on your feet and that's for a hard back to brave man's game you will not see many as clean on his feet as this horse and for me that's got to save petrol so much petrol on the way around. So it'll be very interesting. Brave Man's game is a year older, he's a year stronger. Paul Nichols has got another 12 months to learn. And trainers are always learning about their horses. So I do think if Adaho turns up, you know, he certainly won't walk over Brave Man's game because this is, you know, it's it's almost like it's a home game for him, isn't it? So it will be very, very interesting because that probably more so than Presbury Park come March. That for me is Brayman's games gold cup really. Yeah, and it, the more you hear from Paul Nichols, the more you realize that that's the main target for him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I still take issue with the Racing Post headline last year, like front page, not even headline, front page, Kempton twenty twenty two King George winner after he won the Colour Stars and obviously Chase. But I, look, it's all about hype, and and they're playing that game as well. Um, I I suggested that if you fancy him for the King George, you should take the 33s for the Gold Cup. He's top price 16s now, 14s really. So if he was to win the King George, and on the basis of what he's done here, like you read that on paper, a three and a half length beating of Eldorado Allen doesn't particularly read well. But when you watch the visual performance, you see how powerfully he's traveled through the race how beautifully he's jumped, how easily he's won. I'm, I'm convinced he would have won by further if they really wanted to. They just It was very much a case of get the job done and then build to Kempton. Um, would you be tempted by 16s, 14s for the Gold Cup? Well, I'll put it this way, Emmett. I think if he went to Kempton and something really stuck it in his ribs that day and made Brave Man's game maybe sort of pull a race out of the fire. I think as long as Paul Nichols could get him back for the likes of Cheltenham, he would just take a big box there to prove that this horse has got a bit of metal because up until now, he's been so easy on the eye. But when he has won, it's not really haven't had to, to bottom him out. Whereas I've yet to see him really get proper eyeball by something from the back of the last and, and maybe where he's he, he he looks like he's getting the worst of the argument and he comes out on top. He's not he's not done that yet. Whereas if he could produce something like that, 
if something was good enough to really eyeball him and put it put it up to him at, at, at Kempton, and he still came out on top, showing a bit of, a bit of grit. I think Paul Nichols would have enough time then to just let this horse down and bring him back slowly for Cheltenham to just to make sure that there's enough petrol in the tank there. He he would go there for me with an awful lot more credit in the bank and 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 that price that you mentioned there. If he was to do something like that at Christmas time, I'd be far happier to to um to to take to take a reasonable price at that for sure. That's a really good shout and a and a different spin on him as well. It's not just about how he swaggers through a race, it's can he actually fight? And you're right, we haven't seen that yet. Um but, maybe but it's just what, the way races minute. have panned out for him. But you, you know this thing, it does because he's not a very old horse and he's had all these win jobs. That is the Paul Nichols. It, that's just the system. I mean, I would love to see the numbers as to the amount of horses that he's given these breeding ops to. How many of them have actually had breathing issues? It's it's all about for Paul Nichols. From what I can see, looking in the inside out, the outside in. Sorry. It's fine margins. If he can improve a horse like two pound by clearing his wind and just ticking that box that, well, that's one issue that hopefully isn't going to affect my horse. I'll get his wind done, tidy it up, so then we're not we're not leaving it to chance. It's I think a lot of it is made of it thinking that these horses have got wind issues and are they going to get found out? It's just a process that he seems to do with the bulk of his horses just to give himself that little edge, fine margins, um, you know, each each season. Just in terms of the breeding operations, because we, we talked about this briefly on Thursday in the preview as well. Um, I, I completely get what you're saying, and, and you are right. I mean, it is a tried and tested route for Paul. But this is his second wind up. So when horses start having more than one, is that something that would make you nervous? Well, I think... The trainer should be pressed on it a little bit more that when they declare wind up, because there's so many different variations of wind ups now, I think they should be pressed to maybe disclose what type of wind up they've had. Um, and like I say, generally, it, it, it's it's a little bit of a, more of a tidy up um, because all horses are put together differently and, and, and some of them, you know, they're, they're that little bit more thick winded. It's like human beings. Some humans are a little bit more athletic than others. And, and, you know, they, they could, they could run flat out for whatever, five minutes. And, and, and one fella could run flat out for one minute. And the fellow who's, who's gone for one minute could be blowing far harder than the fellow who's gone for five. It's all about how you're put together, um, an awful lot. And it's similar with the horses, but, for me, uh, I would like to see them disclose what type of wind up they're given, and if he was having different wind ups every time, well, then it would make it would make you think. Well, God, does this does this guy think that that this horse does struggle to get oxygen in certain parts of his race? So he's 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 trying all these different variations to try and tighten his wind up a little bit. But if they were disclosing the exact type of wind up and he was just having the same same one, the same tidy up every time, I would be far more at ease if, if, if I could see that kind of information. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's, it's a bit frustrating, but it's just not something that the BHA are asking trainers to do. And if you're not asking them to do it, why would they disclose it? Um, 
Look, I, I got this race badly wrong. I was with the Hoist in Europe. But hey, if you listen to Mark Milligan, then you walked away with 9-1, to 11-2, and 15-8 to eight winners at the weekend. So you were, you were doing all right, if that was the case. Um, a Hoist in Europe went off 11-10. to 10. Brave Man's Game took a, a bit of a walk in the market, went off twos. And officially, the scoreboard is now two all. But when you look at that scoreboard, they kind of... Maybe Aintree, when they were over hurdles... You could even start to argue about that. Did did Brave Man's Game actually show up that day? I think there's a question mark all four times they've opposed one another, whether or not they turned up. I don't believe for a second that that was Hoisin Yor at his best in the Cotta Star Novices Chase last year. I certainly don't think that was him at his best at the weekend. And there's a fairly strong argument to be made that both times at Aintree, that wasn't Brave Man's Game at his best. Uh, how disappointing was Hoisin Yor and, and why do you think he bombed out so bad? Well, seeing the interview with Peter Scudamore straight after the race, he got he, he he did look and sound extremely deflated without making excuses, but he did he did seem very deflated. Now, for me, I wasn't exactly stunned, or what if if he was mine, I wouldn't have been as deflated because he made his reappearance in the, the Colin Parker Memorial last year. Now. He made a real bad mistake that day. He he'd run well up to up to a point. Um, then he got tired, made a real bad mistake. He nearly got rid of of uh, Derek Fox, and you know it was just a run that was badly needed. Whereas the other day, the word I've always associated with this horse, Emmett, is you watch Braveman's game. He's easy on the eyes, beautiful. A high senor. The word I've always used is he's he's clunky. It just doesn't seem to happen for him as easy. He's got his own way. I think he does this. He he goes he goes both ways at his fences. He can't back off like Brave Man's game does, and he adjusts his feet. So the way he copes is his mechanism is to adjust getting his stride right and meeting the fence. He goes left or he goes right. Like we used to see Timmy Murphy do so often with horses down the years. He Timmy knew when horses didn't have the intelligence to back off. And and adjust their feet. He would angle them left and right, so they would try and meet the fence uh, as, as as well as it possibly could. So Brayman's or or is using his 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 brain in that sense, but it just doesn't come as easy to him. The other day, I thought he was a little bit fresh and gassy, and yeah, he checked out a little bit easier than you would have liked to see him. But I think he will tighten up physically and mentally a good bit for the other day, and and, and he's. He's on the opposite end of the scale for me. He's the one who you want for the long road. He 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 will progress with match practice as the season goes. And, you know, I think he's very like a jockey. Derek Fox really is a man for when the chips are down, there's not many stronger or grittier. Mightn't be as stylish or as fashionable as, as other jockeys, but when the chips are down and you do need a solid horse and jockey, they're the perfect combination, them two, because they they they, they can really they, they they're the types you want in the trenches with you. So I wouldn't be too deflated with the other day. It's a little bit of a blip, um, but I I'd be pretty convinced that he will he he will come back around again. Yeah, I I agree with you as well. I think that's eloquently put. His jumping was abysmal. Um, you know when it came under pressure, and and maybe maybe he wasn't helped by paint the dream taking him on for the lead because he was racing quite free but I think even that's a stretch I think this is just a complete write-off uh, the talk is the many clouds at Aintree that's what they're going to go for next 
Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, uh, but uh, honestly, I, I I wouldn't be too alarmed with the other day. I think connections will just gather their thoughts again. They've got to run into them. They've got that bit of gas out of his tank, and yeah, they'll have been disappointed simply because of the the rate he progressed last year. So you, it's inevitable. You, you're going to be a little bit underwhelmed by what we seen the other day. And plus, Lucinda's got seems to have her string. You know, a real good nick, and she was, you know, they were having winners all over the place. So they, they'll be disappointed. But if he turns up in the many clouds, you know, if 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 if, if there's a you know a bit of value, which you know there probably will be off the back of the charity hall the other day, if there's a bit of value floating about for a high senior, I'd I'd be more than happy to take it for the Gold Cup. Or even 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 for when he turns up for the Manny Clouds, because they, they they they've got to soften his price a little bit even for the Manny Clouds off the back yeah. of the Charlie Hall. But uh, uh, honestly, I, I do like I said a minute ago. I do think that this is a horse who will will just progress uh, as the season goes with, with match practice. He, he he just he doesn't find life as easy as other horses but the engine is there he just sort of takes it a little bit more fine-tuning maybe than than than, than some of the horses he comes up against yeah he's a big old-fashioned chaser which is a strange thing to say about a horse who's the son of dylan thomas but that's what he is he just he seems to be a proper old school horse and uh, i would not give up on him at all uh, but it's too all now and uh, advantage very much on, on Brave Man's game side and well done to John Dance and, and Brian Drew. They said they're relishing the chance of taking on Alaho. Why not? Dream big. Uh, he's definitely going for the King George. I, I think Alaho's going to rock up as well and um, Senor almost certainly will skip that but uh, plenty of other targets for him to be able to take in. Um, Dan Skelton had a good day at Weatherby. He took the Bet365 hurdle with uh, Porshima. Uh, this was a, a double after Molly Oli's Wishes had won and fairly sluiced in, won by 10 lengths from Thomas Darby. 300 through 5 was reverting to hurdles. Uh, and I'll mention him very quickly because I I did a poll on the old tweet machine. We asked you, who do you think will win or who would you be backing to win the King George? Uh, the options were Alaho, Brave Man's Game, Protectorat, and, and then Other. Who do you think? Who would you put in? Um, so... I think it was 2% of you. Yes, 2% of you went for other. Uh, and friend of the show, Andrew Mount, said 300 through 5 because he's unbeaten going right-handed. I like that logic. Um, uh, Protector, I got 3% of the vote. Brave Man's Game, who we just talked about, 22%. 73% of you go for Alaho. If he turns up, it's game over. Um, but very, very exciting. But anyway, 300 through 5 was back in this race. Uh, beaten 15 and a half lengths, but it was a pleasing comeback over hurdles. Uh, Sporting John didn't really show up, but the skeleton team are back in winning ways in the Bet365 hurdle. It was a great two. What did you make of it, Paddy? Well, for me, um, Proshima at times, he's a little bit all or nothing, isn't he? But, I mean, Harry Skelton, I just love when he, when he I know he can be, he, at times he's been criticised, he can be too aggressive on the front end, but I love when Harry Skelton drops one in last, like he did on, on Prashima the other day. Um, you know, it was just absolutely poetry in motion. And now let's not forget, you know, this was a very, very capable, he was 109 at his best on the level. You know, and he seems like he's been around for longer, you know, he's, but you know, still he's a seven rising 
eight-year-old. He's 143 rated hurdler going into that race the other day. But I think there's a few factors we've got to look at, to be honest, Emmett, because Thomas Darby had had his win done. Um, he's another one. He's a, he's, 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 he's a hard horse to predict, but Ollie Murphy showed, has shown glimmers in the last week that his, his string are starting to come forward a little bit. So this was a bit better, but Prashim is still beaten in 10 lengths. 300 through 5 is a horse who I was keen on, but the other day his, his hurdling was very awkward. It wasn't great now at all. It's the worst I've seen him, worst round I've seen him put in. I know it's, it's going left-handed, but you know he's another one. He was beaten you know, over 15 lengths. Sporting John, although his, his, his numbers look good going into the other day as regards his, his wins to runs over hurdles, it's, you know, I think Connections have given up on, on the old chasing job and the stable form, you've got to say, they've just not got going yet, the Hobsey team. So, and indefatigable, it just didn't turn up. You know, it took the same campaign as last year, went to Ponty, and although it didn't win this time, Ponty ran ran a reasonable race, but, you know, she, she completely bombed out against the boys here and was well beat. So, I'm not really sure if the race just didn't fall apart a little bit, but nonetheless, Prashima couldn't have done any more. Gone and won by, by 10 lengths, and, and it was vintage you know, patient Harry Skelton and, and, and just, you know, very, very good. And it, as you mentioned, great afternoon for the team on the day. Second in the race last year, winner this time around. Probably not going to see him again till the spring. Um, he was described afterwards by Dan Skelton as being a million to one for the long walk hurdle and a zillion to one for the cleave. We'll look at Cheltenham and Aintree. Just the ground wouldn't suit him. It's as simple as that. Um, and there's not much point in running him if he's not going to be suited by the ground. Uh, 300 through 5, I totally take on board what you're saying. I, I wonder, was it just reverting to hurdles that he was jumping over big and being quite awkward with them? Um, and even though it wouldn't be going in his favourite direction, I wonder, is the Carl slash Hennessy going to be his target? Um, we shall see what Paul Nichols chooses to do with him. I he, he was awkward, but he, I, I liked the comeback um, for all that. There were plenty of things about it that would, would make your eyebrow raise. Um, the double began, though, for the skeleton team with Molly Ollie's Wishes, who won this race last year, so she was going back-to-back and beat Martellus Guy, who ran a stormer for Lucy Wadham and Brianley Frost, and really the, the rest were nowhere. Uh, Molly Ollie's Wishes and Martellus Guy are two very talented horses, it was a great two penalty for Malielli's wishes, and yet she managed to get the job done. This was very, very likable. Uh, back enlisted company, and um, back-to-back wins in this race. Yeah, no, it was, it was really good. Um, you know, because I think the second Martello Sky of Lucy Wadhams, I think this is a real good mare. I mean, I know she she turned into a little bit of a, a fake in him and, and market race and specialist, but... Martellos guy, it's taken a while just for the, the, the things to start happening with her hurdling. She was never a complete natural, but I thought that was uh, career best the other day and was only just run out of it by a mayor, Molly Ollie's wishes, who really, if you look at a record, when she comes back and is caught fresh, she's very difficult to turn over. Um, you know, they were an absolute mild player, 13 lengths clear of a C to C who'd done her usual thing and, 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 and rolled along on the front end. But, you know, for a while, uh, I, I'd say in running, Martello Sky was probably pretty short and then she just had a little blow from the back of the last and, and um, w- was worn down. But very solid yardstick in Molly Ollie's wishes. But I would imagine that for Dan Skelton, he's 
just got to have maybe two, possibly three bullets that he's got to fire with Molly Ollie's wishes because you look at a record, she is inconsistent. She, You just can't go to the well with her too often. It's simple as that. And so many other horses are, are, are like that. And that's fair enough. So I think you've got to have big targets, but not many of them with Molly Ollie's wishes. But fair play, they've, they've, they've struck with their first bullet of the season and landed another nice listed prize and yeah she's she, she's been a cracker mare for them and I'm very very well named I think it, it, there's a bit of a backstory to it and it's 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 just fantastic all around but keep Martello Sky on side I, I think Lucy Wadham's got a real real capable mare on her hands here yeah very much so um, Molly Ellis wishes is going to be back in January uh, she'll be running in the grade two at Ascot that she won last year uh, no other race for her until then according to Dan Skelton so another one who's going to be uh, taking a little bit of a, a step to, to one side for a little bit. Um, we got things off to an interesting start at Ascot in the limited handicap chase. We were seeing Goshen making his debut over fences. We spoke to Jamie Moore on, on TalkSport 2 on the Friday, and we were kind of wishing him well and you know, come back safe and sound. I thought it was going okay around the first four, and then it just went horribly wrong. Um, they're going to give him another go over fences should they Paddy um, I don't know it was really hard to read that one the other day because you know he got very warm didn't he he got very warm down at the start gosh and he really was sweating very badly and I mean is he sweating like a horse you know, he's nearly seven year old now, gosh, and I mean, he's been around enough. Is he sweating because of what's upcoming? Because he's hurting, he's in pain. He, he didn't really jump left or right. And overall, I thought he jumped pretty good. You know, he just didn't really have a cut at his fences. He was wanting to run into the bottom of them and, you know, more safety first. It was A to B, and he didn't take any chances or, or, or do anything daft. But I gave credit to the other jockeys in the race, to be honest, Emmett, because they were not going to let him have a have a freebie and get comfortable yeah. on the front end. They knew, you know, he's only a handy-sized horse. He was going to carry 11-10, giving them all plenty of weight in at his first crack over fences here. They weren't going to... And because I think a big factor here was where the start was, it was going to give Jamie Moore a, a chance... Uh, you know, they were able to jump them fences on the side, then come uphill. It was going to give him a chance to get him settling into a rhythm. The other lads, I'm sure they said to each other, hang on, let's get, get let's sit right in his boot and eyeball him early doors here. And if, the, if, if he's not up for it or he's not really enjoying this chasing job, the, 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 he, he should back out of it. And he started to back out of it straight away on the downhill fences. You could tell Jamie Moore had very little horse underneath him pretty quickly um, so I thought without obviously he was disappointed and he was beat from a long way out but I thought the other guys played a blinder here and they weren't going to let him get anywhere comfortable and so they took him out of the, the equation from a, a good way from home um, but you know the thing is Gower Road he had questions to answer because he completely bombed out didn't he at Perth it, was, it, was, it really was too bad to be true. Um, so there was questions to answer for, for some of the others as well, but I think they ticked that box pretty early doors. And I mean, uh, Gary Moore is a, a, a fantastic guy. He's a, he's a straight talker. They said they'll give him another bash, but 
No, I, I, honestly, I'd I'd say they're probably scratching their head a little bit as much as as much as we are. But um, I, I'd love to see him come good over fences. But there's no doubt he, he's he's got a he's, he's got a bit. Maybe even if he went back into it, if they put him into a straight novice or a beginners, where there might be only you know another small field and they might let him loose on the front end. Um, but yeah, it'd be a bit of a head scratcher for me at the minute where they're going to go. He's a cork bag. I mean, that's just the best way of describing him. He's, he's a cork bag, an incredibly talented one. But you're 100% right about the jockey's tactics, that they weren't going to just allow Jamie to dictate things and have it his own way, because he's a weapon when he's able to do that. And I was thinking, is Gary Moore just kicking himself and saying, God, there was the elite hurdle next week. We could have just gone for that instead. Um, if you don't know, if you don't try it, you're not going to know. So I, I admired the attempt. Um, he did concede afterwards that maybe he just isn't a chaser, but he was saying that he's schooling very well. And mm. I, I, again, I would say over the first four, I thought he jumped fine. I, th- I thought, oh, this is this is interesting. Um, and then he just he made a Horlicks of the fifth, and he threw in several other mistakes then as well. I mean, if you can get him right, that mark of one six four over hurdles would prove to be something that, that would outclass most chasers that you're taking on. But you got to be able to jump them. So, yeah, drop them into a, an actual proper, not a, a novice's limited handicap. For all that there was only one horse in this race that actually had chasing experience, and that's the horse that went on to win in, in Gal Road. Um, in, in a small novice, maybe that would give him the confidence to be able to build on that. But oh, I'm not so sure. Yes, I think Ruby Walsh made a great point before the race, um, a few days before the race. He said, if a horse like Goshen in Ireland with a rating of 157 was going chasing, he said, one thing is for sure, he would not be going chasing, starting off life over fences in a handicap or a novice's handicap chase. He said he would yeah. be going into a beginner chase where chances are, you know, especially a horse with his running style, chances are he could get loose on the front end, get comfortable and get into a rhythm and give a horse confidence. He said he that, this, that is one um, absolute guarantee. He would not be giving weight away first time over fences in a handicap. And, and I was, I, 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 my ears really pricked up when I heard that because I never even sort of came out of it from that anger or thought. And, you know, I think when you think about it, it's, it makes makes an awful lot of sense, especially a horse like him who it's not like he's a big strapping 17 hands horse who, you know, the, the carrying 11, 10 and giving nearly a stone away to, to, to rivals is, um, you know, is, 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 is no big deal. But, yeah, it was, it was very interesting, but yes, I'd say it's a little bit up in up in the air with with um, Gaussian at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. But that is a very interesting point from Ruby. It just, it isn't something that you'd see in Ireland. Um, so we'll see what they decide to do in the end. Uh, to give the winner his due, he's come home by eighteen lengths, and afterwards, Nigel Tristan Davis was saying that you would hope he will develop into a Cheltenham horse. Um, we better give him his due. He, he's won very impressively. Oh, he has for sure. And I mean, he did disappoint on his return at Perth, but he also disappointed, well, not disappointed, but he was beaten on his return last season as well. I remember this horse when I first seen him, uh, he ran a screamer 
one day at Newbury in his early days and, and he was wayward. You know, he was running around, he was green and, and you know, he only got run down late on and straight away I, I had Gow Road shredding my tracker. I thought, God, this horse got an awful lot of ability considering what he, he, he can do in his races and, and, and still uh, have a little bit left at the end. So, yeah, I've always been a Gow Road fan and I would say the biggest factor here is that when he ran on Saturday to when he made his return, the Twist and Davis string are far more forward now uh, mm. than what they were then. So I know Samar Eve, uh, we lost him uh, two out before, you know, they'd really gotten down, gotten stuck into each other the other day. So you've got to, you've got to factor that in. Um, but look, all, all, all he can do is, is is jump the fences that are in front of him. And yeah, so it was, it was, it was a, a, a much better show from Gal Road and he could certainly have a future for sure because you know Cobbler's Dream he was 18 lengths behind him and you know he's he's rated bang on exactly 146 himself you know a very very capable horse and, and Gal Road and, and Sam Reeve until he until he tipped over you know they were, they were kicking this fella out of the way so no, that, that, that was a good effort the other day and I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes next yeah me too uh, we'll stay with Nigel Tristan Davis because another horse who was making um, his first four-way into fences for all that Gal Road had experience, not a particularly pleasant one over fences, but he was able to use that to very, very good ends uh, in that race. At Carlisle, Beauport was making his his chasing debut uh, in the Colin Parker Memorial Intermediate Chase, and it was a winning one. He beats Miller's Bank, Bear Grills, who's a good horse, Miller Drama, good horse in his day, Carrick Rambler. Um, a very talented horse as well. A terrific chase debut for Beauport. A race that Tristan Davis wouldn't have the fondest of memories of. I remember Bristol de May getting beaten in a match race uh, a few years ago, but this was a, a terrific performance. Um, he was quoted afterwards as saying it was a, a big ask, but too good a prize to, to not go for. What did you make of his chasing debut victory? Oh, it was... Tremendous. I mean, I've, all, I've always liked Beauport and I've seen him tipping around over hurdles last year. And you could even see, you know, he, he didn't look right jumping over hurdles. He just such a big unit. Uh, albeit, he, 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 he had plenty of respect for his hurdles. He was a good jumper, but a, a typical Nigel Twiston Davis horse where they really do find for pressure, just very, very willing, uh, just very thoroughly likable horse and, and to pitch him in here into a listed intermediate chase on his first time over fences obviously this would chase him was always going to be his job but this was was, was a real real taking effort he fenced lovely never put a foot wrong obviously Jordan Naylor knows him well and you know they're, they're, they've been good for each other because I think the, 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 this combination will help each other's career out. Jordan Naylor is a lad trying to, to really make a name for himself and, and I think Beauport, you know, one four eight he was rated over hurdles. You know, he's definitely gonna be no back number. Um I think the horse in second, we don't all obviously the, the, the guy who rides the winner always the one who gets the praise, but I think if you watch this back, if you watched Keelan Woods with Miller's Bank, he held on to this horse as long as he possibly could, because um, obviously Beauport 
his makeup is he's got to have soft ground. If you look down through his, through his record, he has been taken out on even good ground in the past. So connections are insistent that this horse needs soft ground. And that's what he had yesterday. Whereas Miller's Bank, for me, he can operate on a more sounder surface. And Keelan Woods, if you watch yesterday, he was at pains to hang on to this horse for as long as he possibly could. And even you know, from the back of the second last, he's still hanging on and just squeezing and squeezing before he lets his horse down. But he was rewarded by the finishing effort that he got from the back of the last with Miller's Bank. Just once the ground starts to level out a little bit, it was just on that stiffest part of the climb. I thought Keelan was very clever. He hung on to him and just tried to to, to, to get as close to the, the, the line as he possibly could before he let Miller's Bank down. And in fairness, he really did run Beauport close. Uh, it, it looked like he was going, I thought it was a bit uh, less than half a length in the end. Um, but he had that bit of finish in the back of the last because of what Keelan done. And he's a very capable horse. And, you know, he, he had to give Beauport, you know, 11, 10, Beauport, 10, 12. So, you know, he deserves great credit. And they were well clear, 10 lengths clear of Bear Gills, who, you know, his fencing wasn't, it was okay, but just wasn't as good as the first two. That's for sure. But he'd be better for the run as well. But I thought this was a well-run race. I mean, Manila Drama, uh, he, kept, he, he took them along at a good old gallop all the way. And I, and I would have loved to see what his price was in running. You know, yeah. by the time they jumped the third last, and I, I, I know he ran out of steam um, going to the last, but this is a well-run race. I think it's form that will stand up. Um, but the first two, Beauport, Miller's Bank, um, you know, two very, very solid efforts. Yeah, considering Miller's Bank was giving away the penalty, I thought that was a tremendous run. And he looks a surefire winner next time, depending on where he turns up, of course. Um, uh, you know, it's a good way back to, to Cork Rambler, the ultimate winner. Uh, and as you said, Manila Drama is a very good horse in his day as well. He's still in the, the Paddy Power. Um, Cork Rambler was in the, the Hennessy. So we'll see where those horses go, but terrific stuff from Beauport and from Miller's Bank, two horses who will be who will be winning in the not-too-distant future again, you would imagine. Uh, back to Ascot, the Betu London Gold Cup went to our power from our old friend Danny Kerwin. Back to form, Danny! Uh, terrific run from him. Uh, in case you don't know, Paddy, years and years and years ago, way back to 2018... Harry was Harry Darren was on the show and I was asking him about and so who do you really fancy for entry? Like give us one horse to follow for the week. And without hesitation, he goes, Danny Kerwin. Solid moral <laughs> in the bumper. And that day, I'd final Furlan Podcast listeners coming up to me all day, coming up and saying, Oh, Danny Kerwin in the last, can't wait for it, can't wait for it. Uh Harry himself came over. He was getting quite nervous because there were so many people coming up to him saying, oh, we're on, we're on. Beaten 60 lengths. But hey, it doesn't always pan out so well. And um, when I asked Harry in the interview about his his new career as a trainer, and we wish him well, he's going to be starting with first runners on Boxing Day, St. Stephen's Day. Uh, I said, what was your highlight? Who was the best horse you worked with at Digit? Without a shadow of a doubt, it was Danny Kerwin which just had me laughing all around the place. So I'm delighted to see the horse come back to some bit of form, but for all that he was back to form, he couldn't lend a glove on our power in the end. Uh, he stayed on very strongly for Charlie Deutsch and Sam Thomas. What did you make of the Betu London Gold Cup? Yeah, I mean, 
I'd, I'd listen to a quote from, because Sam Thomas is a great speaker and, you know, in his opinion, he thought maybe our power would come forward for the run at Ascot. That's why I was sort of a little bit cold on him and I was looking elsewhere. But, you know, when, when I saw them jump the, the last on, on the side of the track, I thought, because we know of Danny Kerwin's previous, I thought, our power wins here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he... he um, it was it was in a way for me it was a little bit of a signal because you know he came home at a, at, a, at eleven to two and and it's like Sam Thomas you know the few days previous he had a winner at um, or he had a well backed horse at Chepstow just got run down in the bumper he had a, had a winner elsewhere of these Walter Plantar horses there were just you could just sense these horses were starting to get going now um, so for our power to come out and do that the other day when Sam thought he would maybe come forward from the run. These horses can make mugs of you at times, but it probably just tells us how much this horse has improved again, despite, you know, he is a seven-year-old now, but if you look at his page, Emmett, this horse is a bit of a freak, really, because, I mean, he's by a horse called Power, who's, you know, barely a miler himself. Yep. And he's got a real, he's got a, he's got one of these real funky old pedigrees that he shouldn't be be turning up at Ascot on a Saturday and and doing something like this over three mile over fences. But I mean, Sam Thomas has got a, a real, real nice horse on his hands. Obviously, he's 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 in the big race, isn't he? At, at Newbury next, the um, you see the Hennessy, yeah. yeah, it's the Coral so, I mean, now, but we still call it the Hennessy on the final furlough. Of course we do. Of course we do. But <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 very exciting. He's got a good one there for sure. Uh, Danny Kerwin, yeah. He, he, you look down to his profile. He has done this at times where you know he, he he's 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 happy with a, a a silver medal. Um, but he is very easy on the eye, and you can see why why Harry Durham. Uh, I would say in the morning times, this horse just absolutely eats horses up on the gallop, you know, when, when the bits up in his mouth and uh, things are, are, you know, um, you, you're doing things in third and fourth gear, but I mean, look still, he's, he's certainly not doing too badly, but you know, he's rising 10 now, Danny Carwin, so he's not getting any younger, but that was a good run the other day, a good solid run. And I definitely thought there was, there was one or two in behind that the likes of, of Kitty's light step forward again from the run. And, and even, um, I thought Papa Poutine, was a horse of uh, Nigel Twist and Davis's definitely keep on the right side of and, and would be would be better for the run. But no, well done to Sam Thomas. I think he's he, he looks to me like he's set to have um set to have a good season. Considering his dad was a winner at Ascot as well. This is our power, of course. But not yeah. in this division. Like he was he was a Coventry yeah. winner. Um he would go on to win the national stakes and famously the two thousand guineas in Ireland as well. Uh, and was a beautifully bred horse. Like, I'm pretty certain that when Power went to stud, this was not the plan. But we did talk about Ois in your earlier on and being by Dylan Thomas. Uh, it's funny how these things work out, but I, I really liked it. And if he's able to replicate that performance off the higher mark now, because he will get into the Hennessy, he'd have a very strong each-way chance. I wouldn't put anybody off back at him. Um he he would have to have a, a big chance of running a big race there. It's going to be deeper class, of course, but uh, the everything that you said, the fact that he was going to need this run and yet he's managed to run out such a, a good winner of it. Um, yeah, I, I really like his prospects indeed. Uh, the Devil's Coachman, as we switch to Ireland, wins the purchase by 3pm today to win a BMW.ie Irish EBF Beginners Chase. Did you enter, Paddy? 
I missed out on that one, unfortunately. So did I, to be honest. Uh, we all should have been entering that one. Oh, well. Um, who's giving away BMWs at race? This is fantastic. Uh, so the Devil's Coachman wins 5-6 to six, uh, was his price. There was some nice horses in behind. Churchstone Warrior, Falcano. Um, he's a smart prospect going novice chasing. And could could he make up into a Cheltenham Festival contender? Oh, there's no doubt. Um, you know, but he, he would... He would fall into the bracket for me that he just isn't a complete natural limit, is he? At his fences, you watch him again yesterday, and he's just got to work hard at it, this horse. Um, it just doesn't come as easy to him as, as, as some other horses, unfortunately. I mean, he's he's he's, he's uber talented. The engine is there for sure, um, but we've seen last season. You know, he 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 put in a very ordinary round of fencing I think it might have been um, at Galway and then straight away connections just sort of shelved that idea and and went back on the went back on the on the on the level with him um, yeah he got beaten at, at a fairy house in January in the beginners and then his next run was in the Boyne um, where, where he won it you know what I mean he, he, he is a very talented horse so then but connections obviously haven't given up on the idea and um but yeah he got the job done yesterday but the no mead string are in you know they're in reasonable nick to be honest but i don't know he 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 could just get found out this horse for me in in just when the water gets a bit deeper uh the devil's coachman and and and, and when it will really matter I think his jumping is just going to be his Achilles heel for me. From what I've seen, I just don't, don't think he's he's a complete natural. Yeah, there was a line from from Noel Mead that would give you pause for thought as well, where he said, the soft ground helps him, it just slows everything down. That's not really what you want to hear about a Cheltenham prospect. But, no, no, exactly. So we'll see how it pans out for him, but look, he's he's clearly talented. Um, and he's clearly a very, very good horse on his day, but I do know if I want to be queuing up to be backing him uh, for a Cheltenham race just yet. Uh, Pat Doro, or Pat Doru, whichever, the pronunciation's gone. I had checked this out beforehand, and now it's just gone from my head. Of course it has. It's a French name. There's no way that was going to stick. Uh, he cost 105000 at the sales at Cheltenham, and he's a, he's a point-to-point winner, and this was a very likable performance on his hurdling debut at Galway. He went off 15-8, and he's won easily by four and a half lengths. He looks a proper performer. He's going to be going for uh, the future champions novices hurdle uh, on Royal Bond weekend. That's his next target. Uh, what did you make of the bumper winner's hurdling debut for Gavin Cromwell? Yeah, no, that was very good. Um, you know, Keith Donahue rode him with plenty of confidence, travelled away, went right round the inner. Um, there was just very few worrying moments with this boy. I mean, the horse in second, it what unites us has got plenty of ability. He he ran in the first time hood for Gordon, but this uh, Pat Daru, um, I mean, he's won his point to point. And then straight away connections, you know, the, the the win around Christmas time, they popped them straight into that January sale and you know they they, they cashed in. 105 grand it cost connections to get their hands on him, but he's looked pretty good. He's won his he's won his point, he's won his bumper, and now he's won over hurdles. Um, you know, and, and he couldn't have done any more at all the other day, Pat DeRue. They tied his tongue down, um, whether you read into that what you want, but you know, that ground was pretty testing 
the other day. And this fella certainly wasn't stopping. Yeah, he looks very, very exciting for sure. And I'm sure being in the care of, of Gavin Cromwell, they'll have his campaign well mapped out. And he, he is he is one to be excited about for sure. Very much so. And looking forward to seeing him in action at Ferry House. That's always a terrific weekend as well. And that day particularly, the Hatton's Grace Day, is, is amazing. Uh, Deeply Superficial was a very impressive winner of the uh, Mayor's Maiden Hurdle at the opening race at Galway, the 1240. Uh, again, it was soft ground. She cost a fortune, 385,000 of the King's finest sovereigns, uh, and is now favoured for the Mayor's Novices Hurdle. So she's a horse who looks to have a very, very bright future. Uh, in terms of all the horses that we saw over the weekend, who is the one that you're most excited about seeing next time out? Um, God, there was a few who would, would probably fit that bill, if I'm honest. I think as far as open to progress, the fact that Beauport is only a six-year-old and connections, I mean, you're not going to see many horses rock up in a listed chase for a chasing debut, really. And to manage to get the job done, put in a good round of fencing, he was probably the one to take out of the of, of of the whole weekend for me, albeit there was stacks of performances all around. And and you know, I, I do like to be realistic and, and you know, I don't just look at horses as regards throughout a whole jump season. I like to factor in where where they're gonna be at their strongest and, and not to get too deflated about horses who maybe at the minute aren't just setting your setting the pulse rating because it's a long season whereas others that are doing the business now chances of them still being at the same level come february march april time is a little bit more in doubt so that's what makes it all the more intriguing and and and, and exciting you know i think that's a great shout and we're going to see him next month or if you're listening on the first of november this month um, in that two mile four novice grade two that we talked about as well. So Beauport, the one to follow. Do you, do you, do you remember Emmett? Sorry, just to when we were on the the talk talk sport the other week, and we said about our three horses to follow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I gave you three, and already two of my three are on the injured list <laughs> because James's gate is on the injured list. Yeah. The a different kind um, of Willie Mullins is, is, I think that doesn't sound too great at all. He's on the injured list. But my other horse, Afferdale Fury, he got, I thought that price yesterday at Galway, 11 to 8, stepped up to 2 miles 6, back at the scene of the crime where he won his bumper yesterday. Oh, I thought 11 to 8 was, was, was a crack of bet. Um, he got the job done. So he, he was my third and proper dark horse. But I, I really do think he's 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 quite exciting. It'd be interesting to see what plans Noel Mead has for him. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him uh, just before we wrapped up, actually, because he's ended up winning by three lengths uh, with Cooper in the place, and it was two miles six they started him out over. But ooh, there was an awful lot to like about that. And I was thinking about about that as he was galloping to victory on on racing TV yesterday because I did my three to follow, and. Um, I think the day after I put it up on TalkSport, Hillcrest was one of them, gone for the season. 
So I, I got a message from one of the producers straight away. Will was saying to me, oh, one of your horses is already gone. I'm like, oh, for God's sakes. But that's just the nature of jumps racing, isn't it? That's just the way the bloody thing goes. Um, but in terms of plans for him, what do you think that uh, Noel Mead will be doing with him? Because he looks to be a very, very exciting type. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, he's one, he's another one. Um you know, if it fits the same sort of profile as the the Gavin Cromwell, Pat Derue, we spoke about. You know, he's won his bump, he's won his point, he's won his bumper, and now he's won over hurdles. Judging by yesterday, I would say Noemi would want to keep the 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 the, the waters calm for now and go back again with a, with a with a, a penalty because his jumping yesterday was okay, but you could see he he needs a bit more match practice. The the the, the raw ability is there. But he probably won't pitch him in too deep next time, and I'd like to see a smarter round of jumping. Um, that that will be my only critique. But for I think he's got a he's got a whopping engine, and I think his sire Afanisia, he really is going to be the next one of the next go-to sires. And I know that they they're very fashionable in Ireland, and we see sires they can they can really blitz, sort of have two or three seasons. But I think he could be the next one, Afanisia. I like that a lot. I like that an awful lot. Uh, so, Afferdell Fury, put him in your tracker. Follow him over a cliff uh, this season. Paddy Aspel, I've thoroughly enjoyed your company. Uh, looking forward to teaming up with you again on Friday on TalkSport 2 and indeed again on the Final Front Podcast as well. Really enjoyed your company. Thanks so much for your insight today. Super job. Great chat, Emmett. Thanks very much. And thank you for listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. We have got plenty more content coming your way, including another Jumps preview. Uh, a Breeders' Cup preview as well with Barry Faulkner and Naomi Tucker uh, here with us. We are not forgetting about the jumps, don't worry. Andy Gibson's here as we look ahead to the jumps action for the weekend and then we'll be breaking down the Melbourne Cup uh, and the Breeders' Cup next week as well on the Final Forum Podcast. Speaking of the Melbourne Cup, there is a special just down from this podcast on your very podcast feed right now uh, previewing the Melbourne Cup. We go for a TriCast. Uh, so enjoy that. It'll be myself. Have a good bit of fun. Hopefully you will too. We'll talk to you again. Later in the week on the Final Furlong Podcast, be safe, be well, God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced trainers, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pictures at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk.